Thanks for joining me on my podcast, The John Hammer Show. Today's show is episode number three of 10 Minutes, 10 Things, where I take a topic and share 10 points on it in 10 minutes. This show is part of the Sunrise Podcast Network. For information about Sunrise Christian Center and our sponsors, the Send Network and Seattle Bible College, please visit isunrise.org. I would really appreciate help spreading the word, and you can do that by subscribing, downloading, rating, and even commenting on my podcast. I think a negative rating or a negative comment is even better than no comment or no rating at all. So basically, if you interact with my content, it helps more people hear the message. I really, really appreciate it. Today's episode of 10 Minutes, 10 Things is confronting 10 myths about prayer. This comes off of a series that I've been preaching at Sunrise Christian Center that you're going to be able to get on the Sunrise Message of the Week podcast coming out soon called Revival Prayer. Let's see if I can tackle this in 10 minutes. Are you ready? My clock starts now. Number one myth about prayer. Prayer is not doing something. James 5.16 says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Although in our culture today, it's very popular to think that prayer isn't really doing something. So when you tell somebody you're praying about a serious issue, a race issue, an injustice issue, a health crisis, COVID-19, whatever it is, they'll be like, oh, spare me. Don't send your thoughts and prayers. And I'm not saying that sending our thoughts necessarily makes a big difference, but saying but praying our prayers, according to James 5.16, they are powerful and effective. I reject the myth. I reject the lie that prayer is inactivity. For I believe that prayer is the highest activity of the believer. Prayer avails much or accomplishes much. And not only does prayer do much, prayer also calibrates our heart and our mind and puts God's favor in creativity. And it was John Wesley who famously said, I have so much to do that I will spend several hours in prayer before I am able to do it. And so prayer also prepares us for the great work that we have in front of us and makes us more effective in doing so. Number two myth about prayer. Prayer doesn't change things other than my attitude. It's very popular today that the teachings on prayer teach us that prayer forms us. Prayer doesn't change God. It just changes our heart and our attitude. Now that is true that prayer doesn't change who God is or what God's will is uh, that he wants to accomplish. However, prayer definitely changes more than our attitude. Jesus said in John 15 that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So yes, uh, we want to spend time with Jesus in prayer, not just to get things from him, but as we abide in him, the fruit that we are truly abiding is that when we ask what we desire, it shall be done. Andrew Murray with Christ in the School of Prayer, read the very end of chapter 21. You can get, I think, a free copy of that book online but it's a powerful excerpt on how prayer changes much more than our attitude or our demeanor. We want it to change our attitude. Hopefully it does change our attitude, but beyond that, prayer changes things. Prayer changes the course of history. Ask Daniel if prayer stopped the mouths of lions. Come on, somebody. Ask David if his prayers made a difference when God delivered his enemies into his hand. Ask uh, ask the great prayer warriors of old uh, if prayer made a difference and, and prayer changes the course of history. Number three myth about prayer. Prayer should only be when I feel like it. If we only prayed when we felt like it, we wouldn't pray very much. And I want to 
submit to you that we should learn to not live by our feelings, but we should allow prayer to be the place where we change our feelings. So I don't pray when I feel like it. I pray until I feel like it. This is a myth that prayer should only be when I feel like it because then it's truly authentic. No, I need prayer like I need surgery, like I need uh, food, like I need air, like I need uh, a support system, like I need strength, like I need wisdom and strategy. So I pray often when I don't feel like it. If I don't feel like praying after I'm done, then maybe I didn't really pray. Maybe I just complained a lot. I mean, we can be very honest with God in prayer, but prayer should be the place where it changes our feelings. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fear. So they, he came to the Lord in fear. He came to the Lord when he didn't feel like it adequate probably, but yet the Lord heard him and delivered him. Number four myth about prayer. Prayer just isn't for me. There's this false idea that prayer is for some super spiritual people that have a special gift of praying or interceding and there is no spiritual gift of prayer or intercession in the Bible. I mean, prayer is a gift in itself, but there's not a designated gift like it's not a designated gift like the prophetic or serving or or administration or uh, teaching or things like that. Prayer is for every Christian. Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 6, um, when you pray. Uh, so he was assuming that his followers, he's, he's, he's le- leading us to, to assume that he meant all of us are just going to be people that pray. So prayer is a discipline of every single Christian and prayer is even for people that aren't Christians yet. Uh, that's how often people end up coming to faith in God as they start talking to him and crying out to him and l- letting uh, their voice be known before him. And then he starts to reveal himself to them or they're praying really because he has tried to reveal, he, he has revealed himself in different ways and they're trying to discern how to see that. Number five myth, prayer is for private Um, some people think that prayer should just be a private exercise and Jesus warned that we shouldn't pray publicly to like show how spiritual we are and pontificate about all the theological language that we know. Uh, but prayer, uh, is very powerful when it comes to, when there's unified prayer. It was Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist that said there are three necessities for revival and that's visible union, explicit agreement and fervent prayer. So basically when churches come together in a city or a region and they pray together, there's visible unity. They're agreeing on the same things in prayer. And then the prayer is fervent and passionate together. Great things happen in Acts 4.31. It says when the disciples came together and prayed, the place uh, where they prayed was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So praying together in unity is very, very powerful. Praying publicly in unity is with the church releases spiritual power in a greater dimension. Number six, prayer that brings revival comes from large prayer meetings. Now, I'm not trying to sound contradictory with my last point, but some people think that unless we all pray in a stadium or we get all the churches to all pray the same thing, that somehow revival can't come. Now, sometimes we don't, we despise the hidden acts of love and devotion to Jesus and don't realize how powerful they can be. And in Mark 14, we learn about Mary of Bethany and she's at the house of Simon, the Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper and Mary uh, Bethany comes and anoints Jesus. And this private act of devotion uh, is declared throughout the whole world. And there's this powerful exchange where she pours out this expensive oil that's a year's worth of wages on the feet of Jesus. And I really want to encourage you that your private prayers also have incredible power to be cause you to be in true intimacy and experience the presence of Jesus and also to really change the course of history as Mary's private act of worship did um, before Jesus, her private act of devotion, of, of prayer, if you will. And then number seven, a myth is prayer is only effective when enough people pray for the same thing.
Well, so sometimes we think that uh, it's about the positive vibes and energy of everybody praying together. And that's really more of a new age or a religious kind of mindset. It's not really uh, true according to the scriptures that if we all just say the right words, um, Elijah prayed all by himself. It was the prophets of Baal uh, in Elijah's story that uh, all were saying these mantras and they're cutting themselves and wailing and weeping and praying for Baal to bring fire from heaven. But it was Elijah, just one man. He didn't need, he didn't need everybody there praying at the same time, just one man. And James 5 says that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, just like you and me. We have the same nature as Elijah. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So God can answer the prayers of one person. He can cause fire to fall from heaven. He can stop or give rain by the prayer of one person praying fervently. Uh, so it doesn't take an army saying the same thing. There's power in unified prayer, but there's also power in one righteous man or woman of God agreeing with God. Number eight, prayer and faith always gets results. Now this, the myth here is that there's other conditions for prayer. The Bible says if we don't repent of sin in Psalm 66, or we regard sin in our heart, then God doesn't hear us. If we don't have humility, Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, if my people humble themselves. So we have to be humble in prayer. How we treat our spouse, it says that husbands don't honor their Wives is a fellow heir in the grace of life in First Peter 3, 7, that God won't, he'll hinder our prayers uh, if we don't pray with the right motives, if, just for our own pleasures. James 4 says, God, we won't have what we asked for. And Matthew 17 says, some kind of prayer is only effective when you couple it with fasting. There's some mountains of unbelief that only move when we add fasting to prayer. So there are different conditions on top of faith. Now we must pray in faith, of course, but it's a myth that just praying in faith, we also have to have these other areas of our heart in right alignment to see the will of God come to pass. Number nine myth about prayer, prayer should be in quiet to out with the devil. Jesus said in Luke eleven two, when the disciples asked him how to pray, he said, when you pray, say, when you pray, say, say it out loud. I'm not afraid of what the devil hears when I pray. I'm not giving, uh, I'm not going to live in fear. Uh, there's th this myth has been that if you pray quietly in your mind, then the devil can't figure out uh, what you're praying. But I reject that because uh, there's something powerful about giving voice to your prayer. And the scripture implies that when we're praying, the very word prayer implies that you're saying something, that you're doing it out loud. And I think a lot of times when we pray quietly, I know that God can read our thoughts and he can hear our thoughts uh, and the, even the intents of our hearts before we even speak them or think them. Absolutely. According to Psalm 139, but often we're just thinking we're not really praying. And when we say things out loud, we actually have an exchange with God. And I would encourage you to pray out loud. Don't pray quietly. God can cause you to outwit the devil uh, as you pray in your understanding, as you pray in tongues. He, he can cause you to outwit the devil and protect you when you need protection. So you have a big God, not a big devil. All right. Number 10, pray in the spirit. Uh, is just for certain Christians. And I want to tell you to supercharge your prayer life. Embrace the gift of speaking with tongues. First Corinthians 14, five, Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues because he knew there was a spiritually dynamic power. And in Romans eight, Paul said, when the spirit groans in words that uh, we can't express, that we're praying the perfect will of God. And I want to encourage you to seek what the scripture says about praying in tongues. This will supercharge your prayer life. Tongues is not just for a super Christian. It's for every Christian to build themselves up in the faith and to pray the will of God into the earth. So there's my 10 myths about prayer. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were provoked. And I hope most of all, as we're uh, having National Day of Prayer this week, that you will give yourself to prayer for yourself, your family, your church, and your nation, that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Today's show is brought to you by Seattle Bible College. SBC has been equipping spirit-empowered leaders for the ministry for over 60 years. Online certificate, bachelor, and master degree programs in ministry and Bible are designed for students who desire to develop cutting-edge leadership skills, Bible doctrine, and charismatic practice. Learn more at seattlebiblecollege.edu. I want to thank you once again for listening to The John Hammer Show. Please like, subscribe, download, and share these episodes. I appreciate your support.